Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 25, please. Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to direct your attention to verse 14, and we're going to read down through verse 30. You follow along as I read. The Bible says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. I'm going to stop for a second. So Jesus is teaching, and he says, I want you to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like this. And he says, there's a man who went to travel into a far country. And before he did, he called his servants to him. And the Bible says he delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The scene that's played out before us here is pretty simple. Pretty simple for everyone to understand. There was a wealthy man. He is called the Lord, lowercase l, in this passage of Scripture. This Lord, this wealthy man, entrusted to his servants varying amounts of his assets to invest on his behalf in his absence according to their respective abilities. 
So to one he gave five, to one he gave two, to one he gave one, according to their respective abilities. The Lord was the owner of these assets. He gave them to the servants to do something with them on his behalf. The Lord then departed. And after a lengthy time, we read that he returned. And upon returning, the Bible says that he reckoned with his servants. He sat down with them. He took stock how his servants had invested on his behalf. And to those who had wisely and diligently invested for their Lord, there was reward for them. For the one who'd been careless, the one who was lazy, not only was there no reward, but there was even loss of what he otherwise could have received. And the application really is pretty simple as well. The greater application would appear to be how our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, has entrusted us with time, with resources, and with abilities. As we, in this life, wisely use and invest our Lord's goods, because honestly, friend, uh, the air that we breathe is the Lord's. Uh, the strength that we have is God's. The resources that we have are from the Lord. Everything He owns. And as we have been entrusted with those resources, we've been entrusted with those abilities from the Lord as we in this life wisely use and invest those goods, there's someday going to be reward in His kingdom. Maybe that's the millennial kingdom. Maybe that's heaven. Uh, in whatever case, the principle is that there's going to be reward. And so I want us to consider this parable of the talents today and I want us to walk through it briefly and then make some applications for us today and how we live and the time that we have uh, before our Lord comes. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you uh, bless the reading and the teaching of your word today? And Lord, I pray, as was prayed already, that we would be doers of the word, not hearers only, that your word would, would penetrate our heart, that we'd be reflective today of our own life and the resources that you've given to us and what the most valuable thing is. And in the end, that's to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be thoughtful this afternoon and with these principles. And Lord, may it really be in our heart to truly want to serve you, to love you, and to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, consider with me verses 14 through 23. We find the rewarding of the diligent. We walked through these verses as we read them, so we'll not read them all again. But let me just highlight and point out a few things in particular verses, like verse 14, for example. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. That word goods is the Greek word huparkanta, and it's, it basically means, and it, well, it could be translated this way, really, wealth or possessions. And so that's the idea. The Lord, this wealthy man, uh, entrusted or delivered unto his servants his wealth or his possessions. In verse 15, 
we find unto one he gave five talents, unto another two, and unto another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. The word talent here, the, the, the good that, or the possession or the wealth that the Lord gave to the servant was a talent. A talent was a measure of gold or silver, which really was of significant value. It wasn't just a few pennies worth. It was something of, of significant value. In today's terms, um, a talent of gold would be money that was well into the six figures. And so it was something of significant value. And the Lord of this parable gave to each of his servants according to their ability to handle the assets committed to them. All right, so are we following this here? This is something of value, of great value, that this master, this Lord, gave to his servants, and he gave it according to his knowledge of their ability to handle that asset. We get to verse 16. And the Bible says, Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. The word that is translated as traded here is the Greek word ergazomai, and it basically means to toil with as a task. So in other words, in the context here, it has the sense of this servant working with or investing that money, that talent, uh, as, as a job, as a task for him. In other words, the, the servant went out and he took that and he invested it uh, so that it would bring a return. The Bible tells us that the second servant did the same thing in verse 17. However, the, ser the third servant, who also was given something of great value, he went and did nothing with that asset that was entrusted to him. There was not only a lack of dedication to his Lord, but there was also laziness on his part. The first two servants doubled their Lord's money. The third earned nothing. Then we come to verse 19. And the Bible says that after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. The word that is translated as reckoneth here is sunaro, and what it means is to make up or to compute. And basically, in this context, it has the sense of settling accounts. Okay? So they were accountable for what was given to them, and the Lord returned, and He was going to settle those accounts. And the application is pretty clear and pretty simple. There is a great parallel here and an application for us to our Lord's return. That is fairly evident. But in that day, here's the thing, friends. He is going to reckon with His servants. That's you and me. There's a day of reckoning that is coming. The settling of the account of your life. The settling of the account of how you used the resources and the assets that the Lord, who owns them all, has committed to you. And for saints of God, this is likely a reference to the judgment seat of Christ 
One day we're going to stand before the Lord not to be judged for our sins, but we're going to stand before the Lord to be judged according to our works, our deeds, what we did with the life that God gave to us. The profitable servants in that day are going to hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, in Luke chapter 19, there's a very similar parable that Jesus spoke And I want you to turn over there with me, Luke chapter 19. And in this similar parable, Jesus spoke of the first having rule over ten cities, and the second being ruler over five cities, etc. Luke 19, verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he returned, Having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, "Uh, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, uh, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou laidest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury. And I'm reading this here simply to highlight the fact, again, that there is going to be reward for the servant of God. This Lord or this master spake of the first having rule over ten cities, the second being over five, and the clear implication of the parable is that those who have faithfully served the Lord and invested their lives in this time, in this age, in our Lord's absence, are going to be rewarded in His kingdom. Maybe that's with rank. Maybe that's with honor. I don't know, but the implication is, and the application is that the Lord keeps track, and there's a day of reckoning that is coming. Also implied is that faithful servants of God in this day will reign and rule with the Lord in that day. Revelation chapter 20 tells us in Revelation 20 and verse 6, rather go back to verse 4, 
And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And we can read in, in other portions of Scripture in Revelation speaking of the same. But the application is this. The life that God has granted you and the life that God has granted me is not to be lived for ourselves. And this is something we need to be reminded of so often. Friend, is it really in your heart? Is there really a desire? And and examine your, your heart right now. Is it really my heart's desire to serve God with my life? Do I really long to love Him and please Him and what I have to give to Him in in service to Him until He comes? Is that something that is really there in your heart? Because the life that God has granted is not to be lived for you. Whether saved or lost, all life is granted by God. He's the giver and the sustainer of life. We breathe His air. All that we have is of Him. And I would ask the question as we begin to get into this portion of Scripture a little bit deeper, are you truly serving Christ? Do you live to make yourself happy? Are your ambitions self-serving ambitions? Or is there really a heart in there that says, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. I want to be yours. I want to please you. I want to serve you. It's a thought to ponder and a question to regularly ask, even every day, friend. Lord, I give you this day. It's yours. I'm your servant. Use me today. Go back to our text in Matthew chapter 25. And I want to look first of all, or second of all then, not just at the reward of the profitable, but secondly, we look at the misery of the unprofitable. In verse 24, Jesus says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. So he's saying, basically, well, at least I didn't lose it for you. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant. Thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I would have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. 
but from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So secondly, let's consider the misery of the unprofitable servant. So we come here to this man who is really called a slothful servant. He was called wicked and slothful by his Lord. Uh, those words could easy, easily be translated as evil or lazy. And it was in contrast to the good and faithful. Two were good and faithful servants. This one was wicked and slothful or evil and lazy. But I want you to note something about him. Note, first of all, this man's privilege. This man's privilege. The Bible tells us that this man was a servant of his Lord. He was in the same position as the other two. He was blessed beyond measure with uh, being entrusted with his Lord's talent, with his Lord's goods. He had great privilege being the servant of his Lord. He was entrusted with so much, his Lord's possessions. He had the opportunity right there given to him to bring honor to his Lord and then also to bring gain for himself. He had the opportunity right in front of him. And friend, this represents the one who has opportunity to serve the King of Kings, who's been given so much privilege in his life. He's been given the privilege of having life, first of all, but he's been saved, second of all. He's been given the ability to serve the Lord. He has the opportunity to invest his goods in this life. But in his carelessness, in his selfishness, in his laziness, in his self-serving heart, this fellow did nothing with his Lord's trust. Look at the privilege he enjoyed. He was numbered with the Lord's servants. He was a possessor of special gifts from his Lord. And all he did was squander it. I think we can easily see the application that you and I also have great privilege as children of God. Called out of darkness into His marvelous light, going from being an alien and an enemy of God to being a son of God, above that and beyond that, been given uh, the, the opportunity to, to be a part of a scriptural New Testament church, beyond that, been given gifts and abilities from the Spirit of God to serve Him, We've been given so much, we have great privilege. So much privilege, even beyond other people. For we live in the United States of America, amen? Just so much blessing and privilege. But we note, secondly, his failure. Because the Bible tells us that he took what had been given to him and he went and hid it and did nothing with it. He was a servant, but as such, his life and his work were failures because he didn't use the gift bestowed on him by his gracious Lord. And there are five things that are mentioned in these verses that led to him being unprofitable. And every one of these things 
really point to what his heart condition was. He went and hid the money, but note what verse 18 says. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. First of all, we find here willful neglect. Willful neglect. He he wasn't unaware of what others were doing. He wasn't unaware of what the other servants had done. He took it and he went and digged in the earth and hid it. Here is willful neglect of the responsibility that it was entrusted to him as a servant. I don't think we could say that he didn't know what to do with what he had been given. But secondly, we find in verse 24 that he had hard thoughts towards his Lord. Verse 24 says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. That phrase, a hard man, basically means that he's telling his Lord, I know that you're harsh and that you're rough. Which sometimes means that you're not very fair. Then you get to verse 25 and you see slavish fear. He says, I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. Verse 26 tells us of his slothfulness. His Lord saw right through it. His Lord answered and said, Thou wicked and slothful servant. You notice all of these things that are listed here. Basically, this servant is trying to justify himself, and he's trying to pass the blame off on his Lord. You're a hard man. You're a harsh, you're a harsh Lord. You're a rough person. I was afraid of you, and I didn't want to be judged, so I went and hid the talent in the earth. And his Lord saw right through that. And he said, no, it's because you're slothful and you're wicked. He was trying to justify himself. He was trying to play the victim here. And his failure ultimately was that he was only thinking of himself and not his Lord. Not his Lord's honor. But you know what, friend? So are those who use up this life for personal gain and ease. They're only thinking of themselves and not their Lord. Those that never have time for God, that never have time for real service to Christ. Those are the kind that might pat themselves on the back and say, well, at least I'm in church. Well, praise God that you're in church. Praise the Lord. But is that real service to Christ? Is that real heart devotion and dedication? And is that real concern for my Lord's honor? If we had the right perspective of the days that we have, the air that I breathe belongs to God, and I'm so blessed of the Lord. I'm so undeserving. Lord, today is the day that you've made. You've given me another day of life. And I thank you for it. Lord, I just want to be your servant today. Use me how you would. Control me today. Lead me. 
because I'm your servant. Do we, do we start the day like that? Is that how we begin? Is that the thought process of our day? I know how it gets. I know how it is. The things that we think about most are the schedule, the routine, the responsibilities, all the things that basically we consider to make up our life. Why don't we ask the Lord, and I want to ask the Lord to help me not to think that way, not to think of all the the responsibilities or even the ways that I can make some more money so that I can reach my goals. But to think of the day as, Lord, this belongs to you. I want to start it with the right mindset so that I can be a profitable servant of the Lord. This failure on the part of this servant was only because he was not thinking of his Lord. The other two were. He was only thinking of himself, and in order to justify his situation, he started playing the blame game. But I don't know that we are any different. When the majority of our life is used up only for personal gain, never really having time for God, and God gets squeezed into the leftovers. I want you to see thirdly his downfall. Because after all of this, the Lord, his Lord called him on the carpet. And he said, you're wicked, you're slothful. What you should have done, verse 27, is put his money to the exchangers. You should have used it. You should have worked with it like I gave it to you for. And then at my coming, I would receive mine own with usury. Now look at verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. The Bible tells us that the one thing he did have was taken away from him. And then we read on down in verse 30. Cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. He was cast out. And the application here of him losing what little he had might just be a reference to how in the day of reckoning, when we stand before the Lord, if we are not careful, we are going to have nothing to offer him and no reward in his kingdom. You know what the Bible talks about those who are saved, yet so as by fire. And what that basically means is you're saved, you've been given a life, you've lived your life, but the Bible talks about the life that we live, our works being tried in the furnace of fire. And the wood, the hay, the stubble of our life, the works of our life that are wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to be burned up. But the gold and the silver and the precious stones are the works for Christ, the service for Christ that's going to last That's something that we're going to have to give to the Lord. 
But being saved yet so as by fire is basically talking about the child of God who was granted eternal life and he lived his life, but his entire life is wood, hay, and stubble. And when his works are tried, it's all burned up and he's got nothing, but he's still saved. And praise the Lord. Amen. But that's not all that God intends for his children. That's not all that God intends for your life. There's a day of reckoning coming for the way that we live. The thought of being cast into outer darkness in verse 30, some might think that's a reference to eternal judgment. That's not necessarily a reference to eternal judgment. It is said that in ancient cities, which would have been without the benefits of bright street lights. It's said that to be cast into outer darkness was a reference to being forced out of the light and the warmth of the household and into the street. In other words, you don't get to enjoy the warmth and the privileges of the house. But I think ultimately what we need to focus on is that this parable was really about Jesus teaching His disciples the importance of being prepared and being ready for the Lord's return. If you were to go back a little ways, you'd find that the teaching of Jesus prior to this was the parable of the ten virgins. And in that parable, Jesus taught the great necessity of having your soul prepared and ready for the Lord's return. And then immediately after, Jesus teaches this parable and the need to be busy working with what God has given to us until He comes. But in both cases, we find the need to always be ready and be prepared because we don't know when the Lord will come. Verse 13 says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. That was the point that Jesus was making. Be ready. Be watching. For the unsaved, you need to make sure your soul is ready to meet the Lord. For the saved person, it means being busy, serving the Lord with a true heart. Now, that doesn't always mean activity, activity, activity. That's not what that means. But if there is a heart to love and to please God, listen, if there's a true heart to serve the Lord, there's going to be something with which we're serving the Lord with. And I guess the question is, as we close here this afternoon, is are you ready to meet the Lord? There were two that enjoyed the blessing of their Lord because they were good and faithful. There was one who experienced loss because all he lived for was himself. If you look back over the course of your life, you can't go back and change anything. But you sure can change from today on. That's right. You sure can change from today on. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? Is it a waste? Or will you hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant? I want to hear that from my Lord. Amen. Don't you?
when I hear him say, enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Lord, help us to be faithful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you use these simple truths this afternoon just to remind us, get us to be thinking again. The value of a person's life is not in the abundance of, that, of the things that he possesses. The real value of our life is our eternal soul, number one. But then it's what are we laying up as treasure in heaven? What will we hear our Lord say when the day of reckoning comes? And Lord, it's a humbling thought to think, am I living my life for my Lord? Maybe there was a time when I was more surrendered and more devoted and life has kind of gotten me hold of me and stopped thinking of my Lord's honor and started thinking more in terms of selfish pleasure or what I can bring for myself in this life. Lord, I pray that we would have the heart that all that we have is yours. All the time that we have is yours. They're gifts granted from you. Lord, take whatever you want. Remove whatever you want. Help me to live for you, to serve you day by day. And Father, would you give us your grace to live that way? to think that way. And Lord, I pray that you bless according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.